This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. A very good evening to all and welcome to tonight's installments of Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Mbele and thanks for tuning in. As always, it is my pleasure to be in your company as we continue to demystify daily corporate governance challenges by way of bringing thought leaders, practitioners, um, for them to share their views and wisdom. Uh, and definitely tonight is not an exception as we have that kind of stuff, uh, you know, well prepared for you. Um, Moving on, allow me to thank uh, Kathy Kayla for gracing the airwaves, Sasha Starr. Uh, it has been a while. Thanks to see you once again. Simon, thank you very much. Mandy, thank you very much. Lindy Wemkolazi, thank you very much. As always, I'm not flying solo. I'm the producer of the show, Tabo. Um, his presence and unwavering commitment to the station um, is truly worth appreciating. Once again, Tabo, thank you very much. If you've just joined in, welcome aboard. This is Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele your proponents for good corporate governance, a phenomenon that has become a so topical in South African social and economic landscape. If you cannot, you cannot talk about corporate governance without bringing into the picture the Zondo Commission, into State Capture, Mohoro Commission, uh, into Advocate Jeba's Fitness to Hold Office, uh, Mpati Commission, into of inquiry into PIC uh, on, on a number of wrongdoings. Essentially, one can never understand these institutions without appreciating the rules of engagement, compliance towards these rules, and most importantly, ethics and ethical conduct by those entrusted with public confidence. As a result of questionable ethics um, in the country, we have seen of lost investment grades for, that, for entities such as ESCOM because of its weak balance sheet, the state has been, has been called once again, you know, to bail out the ailing entity. And this, and if the, if the state, well, the state doesn't have a choice, but to literally come through and bail Escob out, the consequences are quite dire for ordinary consumers, given the fact that electricity tariff has increased economically and become, it has become unsustainable. <coughs> when you look at these commissions as they sit, and reflect on the reason as to why these commissions are sitting. One, it, it, it goes without saying that the element of trust has been broken down. There's no trust between the shareholder. There's no trust between boards. There's no trust between executives. Purely because the rules of engagement have been, you know, um, defaulted on or neglected or never applied at all. In the final analysis, there is no value accrued to shareholders and stakeholders. And, and for this reason, um, it's very important that we, we constantly reflect on these issues um, in a way to, to bring about normality. You know, for an example, we have just learned that, uh, you know, PIC lost to close to 3.4.3 billion rands through questionable investment uh, into IO, which, which, which definitely has to be, uh, you know, we, we, we called back, so to speak. When you look at all these issues, what, I mean, I've, I've sat down and thought about it quite extensively and I've, I've came to some resolve or determination. In my view, these commissions are fundamental about quality of leadership in government, private sector, and SOEs. Over the past few months, who, and, and we have seen or heard the extent to which politicians, administrators in both public and private sector looted or conspired to loot state coffers for self-enrichment. 
These allegations, whether you like it, whether you like it or not, have a serious implications for, for this country. And, 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 and South Africa cannot afford to be caught up in that downright spiral that you've seen. You know, I mean, when you look at the continent, it is plagued with poor and outright bad, bad and corrupt leadership. South Africa cannot afford, cannot afford to be in that kind of space. So these are some of the issues that when you look at the commissions that I've alluded to earlier, what comes to mind is about leadership, extent to which you have the right leadership. Um, I'm not going to be on this alone. I'm going to welcome uh, Unati Mtoninti, who is a lecturer at, at, um, you know, at uh, Da Vinci Institute, um, and I believe he's on the line. Unati, good evening and welcome. Uh, good evening, sir. How are you, my brother? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Welcome. Thanks for having me on your show. You, you're welcome. Earlier on, Unati, I mean, I... <laughs> I, I was reflecting a little bit on the the what what appears to be a broken trust relations between 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 you know shareholder boards and executive, and and because of the trust the broken trust, um, ordinary folks like you and I are bearing the brunt of of high cost, and 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 ultimately when you look at ESCOM in particular, uh, we have noted that ESCOM is is being reconfigured. And when you look at how ESCOM is being reconfigured, we make almost making an assumption that the new look and feel of ESCOM will, del- will deliver value for money for you and I. Um, would that be an appropriate? Would that be a fair assumption? Um, when you look at that face value, that the fact that ESCOM is now broken into three units, that will deliver shares um, share, a fair value for you and I. Yeah, it's 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 a bit difficult um, for me um, at this stage because I I think the the, the if we go back and, and maybe take a orthodox problem solving approach to this, that approach forces us to align the diagnosis of the problem to the solution. In other words. If the diagnosis suggests that the problem is people, whether it's people in shareholding capacity or people in the board or in executives, you would ordinarily think that the first part of the solution should then to resolve people issues. I'm not sure whether both the board and the executives at ESCOM are the best executives that we could find taking into account the challenges and the role and the importance of ESCOM to the future of the economy and, and, and the quality of life of South Africans. Um, if you look into the board, I think there's already two board members that have left the board, this new board. One um, was a Mr. Mike Lambetti who had challenges with policy issues and challenging some of the policy issues that government has done through an employee in where he used to work. And then another one, there was the issues of conflict of interest. I understand that the chairperson also had to answer questions around conflict of interest at the Zondo Commission. So I'm not sure that we've resolved people issues because clearly on the diagnosis certainly is, is, is issues of people. And I'm not sure even if the current chief executive who was appointed clearly under crisis circumstances is the best person 
to do the job. And I'm not by any means suggesting that he's not competent or anything like that. But maybe what I'm saying is that if you were to go through the same process of appointing now, maybe you would come up with different names or you would even come up with better names to do the job. So my view is, before we get to what structure, whether ESCOM should be bundled or unbundled or, or whatever the outcome should be, the first port of call should be to get the right people in there. And the right people are the people who are going to act in the best interest of this country regarding ESCOM. Not act according to what the current executive leadership suggests or the current faction or whatever the case may be, but act in the best interest of this country. So if, if we don't have those people at ESCOM, then it's just um, the, the, the changing of the structure I don't think will yield the right results. We must also sorry, be flexible to say, having put the right people there, we would accept that they might come up with a different solution where they will say, instead of unbundling ESCOM, let's keep it the way it is and change other things instead. I mean, I, last point, I had the Minister of Energy suggesting that the independent power producers procurement process is cost neutral to ESCOM. Well, maybe that's true, but maybe what's also important at this stage to ESCOM is that it must be revenue neutral. Because if it begins to cannibalize a bit of the revenue that ESCOM is supposed to get, that also is a negative impact on the future of ESCOM. So it can't just be about the cost issues around ESCOM, but it must also be about the revenue issues around ESCOM for the sustainability of it, because we must have both sides of the equation of the income statement to make a profit for ESCOM. Going back to the people's dimension as part of um, resolve to sort out the, 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 the ESCOM saga, you have alluded to, you know, to the fact that you, you, you're wondering whether, you know, we have the right people. Um, personally, just to piggyback on that point, you know, I was quite um, uh, taken aback when I heard, um, I think it was yesterday, when the current chairperson of ESCOM, Jabuma Musa, you know, um, explaining, uh, you know, the kind of corruption that is taking place at ESCOM. And, and, and when you look at all his predecessors, uh, you know, the then chairperson, you know, uh, Zitema Koza and Dr. Ben Guban, all of them, they, they have alluded to kind of chronic stuff that has been happening. But the fundamental question is, I mean, which anybody needs to ask and say, where is leadership at the board level? How do we take confidence when the chairperson tells you there's so much wrong that is happening? Is it not, is it not an indictment on leadership? When you hear that kind of a response, uh, um, coming, coming from a chairperson of entities such as ESCOM, saying, you know, there's this that is happening. What happens to the controls? What happens to management of risk, which, which has been there? Does it not perhaps somehow cast a different uh, view or, or cast doubt in the leadership? Now the leadership comes out and say, look, this thing happened under our nose. Uh, and and we, I'm sure people don't want to know. People want to know what is it that leadership has done to arrest it, the kind of rot that is happening. Not so much about giving almost like a, an explanation as to why it happened. What's your take on that? Yeah, I suppose that, that that's what, in a practical sense, state capture means. 
it means a systematic uh, process of undermining the very controls that you're talking about. In other words, it's either they are not there at all, or if they are there, they are not functioning effectively and efficiently as they're supposed to function. In other words, the controls are undermined, and, and, and then the organization and the leadership thereof seems to serve other interests other than what we understand and know it should serve. But importantly, what I've, what I've, my experience is that ethics and the boundaries of governance are always a function of the conscience of the individual and collective leadership that is at the organization at that particular time. So it's easy to say later that this is what happened, but I think the truth of the matter is if the leadership had the right ethics and the right conscience, at the time they were the leaders, they should have done something about it. Precisely my point, because I, I, I find it very difficult that um, we are got told that, um, you know, um, you know, ESCOM has been targeted by corrupt individuals and the corruption is multi-layered. Um, the question is, what have you done? That, isn't that what ordinary South Africans are keen to hear and know so that we, we, we reinvest our confidence back into the leadership? If the leadership is going, is going to come and say, look, well, you know, this is what has happened. I mean, surely we don't want to know what has happened. We want to know how have you addressed or reversed the kind of corrosion uh, caused by corruption and maladministration and God knows what else. Sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's the basic expectation of one playing their fiduciary duties, is not to report, but rather to do something about it. And I think I agree that it is just completely, in my view, unacceptable for the chairperson of the board to report on something that he or she was supposed to do something about. So in my view, it's, it's, it's completely, um, in my view, unacceptable. But I think it's not just about the chairperson of the board. It's also about the shareholder. What did the shareholder do about the chairperson of the board? Because it's not like... At the time, there were not these questions around the issues of governance around ESCOM. They have been there for years. I mean, it's nothing new. They have been there for a very long time. So it, it's, 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 a, it's a value chain of leadership or a vertical linkage of leadership, starting with the, the, the shareholder to the board and to the executives. So if you have a shareholder that seems to benefit or that seems to turn a blind eye to what's happening with the board or what's happening in the board suits the interests of the shareholder, then nothing is going to happen. Absolutely. So that's, 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 that's the, the, the bottom line. I, I, I think that's, that's something that maybe in a bigger scheme of things as South Africans, we must come to realize about the new dispensation that we're in. Thank you very much, Onati. Uh, Perhaps maybe on a parting short, uh, would you say the the reconfiguration does not necessarily it does not necessarily promise uh, cloud nine kind of atmosphere? There's more work that needs to be done because, as you are pointing out, um, you know, people or leadership. It's a question of alignment, you know, getting the right people with the right mentality, with the right attitude, with the right frame of reference that will ultimately get 
to a point where whatever structural reconfiguration um, comes out or as a result of, it has to be driven from that end. Is that is that what I'm hearing you saying? Yes, I, I you, you know, from 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 experience, organizations run at the pace at which the leadership runs. It might seem like a cliche, but but in a practical sense, that's how it is. Because truthfully, what happens is that every proposal, every idea must be presented to the leadership. Then it's the leadership that agrees or approves with those proposals. So if the leadership decides that they're going to go at a slower pace, then the whole organization is going to go at that pace. If the leadership decides that we're going to go at a higher pace, then the whole organization is forced to go at that higher pace. So it's the leadership that determines the pace, the direction at which the organization must go. There is absolutely no doubt about that. So if you've already concluded that ESCO must then be unbundled, and at the same time you're not sure, and certainly I'm not sure, that this is the best leadership we could put together as a country to lead us out of this crisis, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to realize the expected outcomes. Also, I mean, you need the very same leadership to realize the promises that you've made because that leadership must also oversee the process of implementing this unbundling. So you don't just need a leadership to make the right decision on where ESCOM should go, but also you need the right leadership to implement where ESCOM must go or to take ESCOM where it should go. So I'm not sure if that is that is uh, that is in place at the moment. I think there's just too many, in my view, from a governance perspective, from an ethics perspective. I still think that there's still too many question marks. It certainly maybe is better than it was before, but I don't necessarily think that this is the best we can do as a country um, to get the right leadership because. I mean, the right leadership has to put the best interests of the country first. Well, unfortunately, uh, Unati, thank you. We're going to have to leave it there. We're running out of time. But as always, it's always a pleasure to have been bought. And I am certainly hope that the listeners have thoroughly enjoyed your insight because you're really uh, giving us thoughts that or issues that are thought-provoking. Once again, thank you very much for coming through. All right. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Thank you so much. You're welcome. There you are. That was Unatim Tononzi, who is a lecturer at the Vince Institute. We'll come back after a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now exactly half past six, and I'm joined in studio uh, by a long-time uh, friend and a colleague. Um, his name is Justice Indaba, who have just joining at the at the back of a very interesting conversation we've just had with Unati Mtolozi, who is a lecturer at at. Uh, uh, da Vinci Institute where he teaches or lectures ethics. Uh, for those who have just joined us, uh, our conversation with Unati revolve around unbundling of ESCOM. And, and his, um, you know, view is that there's not much can be done or there's not much of a solution when the very problem at ESCOM, uh, was as a result of the people, you know, which I agree with him that Whatever changes um, that needs to happen, first and foremost, let us address the, the problem. The problem started with the people. It started with the leadership. And, and we need to get the deep understanding or appreciation of what were the root causes which led to ESCOM, um, the debacle as we, as, as we know. 
We know that uh, it's one of those entities from time to time that comes to government with cap in hand. Uh, we're looking at about 100, uh, you know, a billion rents to, to salvage ESCOM because it's too big to fail. We, un- we all understand that. And the question is, the, the proposed organizational or the proposed con- reconfiguration of ESCOM, um, to what extent does it take into account its original failures, i.e., did you have the right people? with the right skill set, with the right mentality, with the right approach, who really understood um, their mandate, who really understood their fiduciary responsibilities, i.e. duty to care. If we do not address this very basic uh, composition, um, you know, whatever reconfiguration that we come up with, at ESCOM, whether in the form of transmission, uh, whether in the form of uh, redistribution, will not yield a value for the shareholders, i.e. because you, you know, you are, have the same kind of environment, guys, differently. Uh, on that note, let me take this opportunity to thank and welcome Justice Ndaba, um, for he would definitely have so much to tell or to say on this issue. Justice, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Doug. How are you? Good on you, sir. Sure. Justice, you heard when Unati, you know, pointing out to um, a almost like a diagnostic that happened at ESCOM. I, did we find out? Did we understand exactly what was the pro, what, what 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 was the problem at ESCOM? Um, and and his perspective is quite interesting, is that he put emphasis on the people, you know, until we we get the right people. And the right people, obviously, it's a very vast, um, you know, uh, notion. You know, I mean, right in my mind comes to the right skill set. Right in my mind, it's about uh, the attitude, it's about the mentality that is correct. It is about experience uh, that is correct. Um, and it's about, you know, the value of making sure that you serve the interest of the society, not your own interest. Uh, what's your take on that based on what he said? Um, uh, very interesting what he said indeed, but um, I have a slightly different view. Um, not so much different, but um, the problem that I have is that if you were to put into context uh, issues at, at, at ESCOM, which are quite um, uh, uh, many, so there's no one single solution to the problems. But I do agree that if we were to focus maybe for now on the leadership issue, um, it does not start now. The problem I have with, for instance, the intervention now that could go into leadership is that um, one of the problems that we've had is that we have have never had stability uh, at, at ESCOM. You know, if I were to put that into context, if you look at the period between uh, 2007 to 2015, but let's take the last 10 years. In the last 10 years alone, uh, ESCOM has had 10 CEOs, 6 boards, uh, never mind the multitude of energy ministers and ministers of public enterprises who are critical in determining policy. Now, <laughs> this is 10 years. A, on the, on the, if you've had in 10 years, uh, 10 CEOs and you've had six boards. 
you understand so in 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 our language when we talk about instability because a board normally would serve a term or two and a term would be probably four years at times uh, um, sometimes they go as much as eight so now we've had 10 ceos in that time so you can see that even if you have had the right skill set the right person but if you keep chopping and changing them from a leadership perspective, you're not going to get and derive the results that you want. Because if you look at the ESCOM leadership roller coaster, uh, it has really caused gigantic problems, you know, which contributed massively to the where we are today. So, uh, um, and then if you look at the financial challenges, uh, apart from the new bill program uh, and the, the deterioration of power plants, mainly due to uh, maintenance but the destabilization of destabilization of the leadership you 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 can see if a uh, any ceo that comes needs up between 1 to 3 years to make up any impact in their organization now you've had you you have 10 meaning that each ceo has served less than a year you know, no matter if you've had the best of the best in that position, nothing they could have done. And then apart from that, the, the, you've had six changes of boards in the same time. So there has not been stability at those levels, even for uh, at the board level, for the governance perspective, for instance. Now, not only that, now you go to the policy level, which is at a political level, you've had about... Uh, similar changes, close to six, seven, between the Minister of Public Enterprise to the Minister of Energy. So you've had far too many changes, which has destabilized uh, uh, the running of this very critical entity. So in that regard, while I agree with Unati, you can see now that in all uh, basic principles, if you destabilize the leadership formation, you're not going to get any results whatsoever. So that is where I'm coming from. So when for you to turn around any time, you have to stabilize the leadership at all these three formations, even if they are not fit for purpose in that regard. You have to give them the chance in any event because at the board level, they can pull in the skill sets that they require if, for instance, we've made the wrong choices in getting them in. But we're not going to get assistance by chopping them every so many years. So now I've looked at the current board. By the way, qualification-wise, is not bad. We've had uh, the only deficiency probably is in terms of uh, uh, plant experience, in terms of the the critical, but uh, in terms of the other experiences from the economical point of view, nuclear uh, physicists, chemicals, those are highly uh, people with PhDs that are there. Uh, uh, so there are many of them quite highly qualified. So my issue would be for the ones that we have now, we really have to have stability and then put together uh, uh, processes that will ensure that we stabilize the, 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 the organization because it cannot be that we change every so many years. Every year we make a change at, at the executive level. We make changes at the board level changes at the ministerial level, then we expect that things would change. Look, I agree with the Justice in that um, in any sector, when there are leadership instability, um, the return on investments are almost nil. 
because um, there's not much uh, which any incumbent can actually do, uh, which means um, uh, in, 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 in agreeing with you that we obviously have to stabilize um, leadership at different level. At the shareholder level, let's have stability at the shareholder level. At the board level, let's have stability at the board level. Um, and, and I've said you know, earlier on that um, the, the reconfiguration is a, it's a right step you know, in the right direction in that we've always maintained that ESCOM balance sheet will always be weak because, uh, amongst others, um, there, there, there is not much appreciation of how the business model looks like. You know, because when you unbundle, when you have transmission as, as a core business in its own right, because it is a core business, uh, transmission and so on and so forth, we're more likely to create a, 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 an entity that is much more responsive, that is much more competitive. But having said that, when you look at the issues that brought about the collapse of, of ESCOM in terms of leadership, Surely that's what we need to start because this is where I agree with Unati in that in as much as you can look at the, the, the business model, if the business model is ex- executed by poor leaders or by people who do not um, have the appreciation of their mandate in relation to why are we there, who are we serving, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, the bottom line, the new transmission of ESCOM is likely to collapse. Well, look, I mean, in defense of the current leadership, the, remember this leadership is, is barely a year because they started around March 2018, right? Um, so, and many of the recommendations that we see now in terms of the, uh, unbundling and really what was at the behest of different task teams set up by, of expertise, which is why you see that many of them were uh, 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 people who were brought in as experts from international fora, from everywhere, who then were, were brought in at the behest of government. And, 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 and they diagnosed and analyzed, and part of the output of those processes, which were uh, thoroughly looking at fully diagnosing what is wrong other than the leadership issues they've come up with these reports and many of these reports point to obviously uh, people have focused on the fact that no uh, the unbundling is 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 going to be uh, 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 trying to bring private hands in but look beyond the private hands much of the decision is on the basis of the accounting framework is on the basis of the investment framework which you have said look the accounts of ESCOM at the current big anima is just too much for you to determine um, where the issues already are. So what they want to do is to make it easier so that you have all of these three divisions that can be able to attract investments on their own accord because it's just too big. To, so, so that is the process of unbundling. And so that they can all out on their own balance sheet. By the way, uh, as we speak, even within ESCOM, um, there are these divisions are there. For instance, there's transmission division. There. It's just that the issue now is about uh, separating them formally and registering them as formal entities so that they can go out to market. Because as we speak, ESCOM owes over 400 billion just as a global entity. But if you were to break it down, you might have a situation where on their own they are able to 
stabilize and, and work out frameworks in a very proper way, you know. So, uh, by and large, the, the output of, uh, amending the operating model has, the board has been supported by experts and, and by, by thorough exercises that took time that comprised of power experts from external. So, in itself, I think, I personally think that with those reports and with the support that they would require, the current board is quite capable of implementing that. Look, I mean, there's no doubt that the board is is, is competent and capable, but you, have, you know the performance of entity it, it just goes beyond the board because we have noticed that mm. the shareholder, the type of shareholder activism, um, has not been what it's supposed to be because of instability, and we also note that the board has not been, um, you know, has not provided sufficient oversight and and properly implementing the controls um, as the sum of the rod hasn't been under their noses. You know, that, that's one issue that we, 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 we all understand. And yes, part of the turnaround is to put competent people and, and you know, to the, to the credit of the current board, there's been a bit of a pro- progress. But here's one thing that um, bedevil most entities. You know that the turnaround, in most instances, turnarounds are done by technical experts. And who, you know, by, 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 by the nature are consultants and who will give you a very solid, uh, documents. And documents will never implement themselves, but ultimately you need to have, uh, men and women who will translate this sophisticated documents into practice. And half the time, this is my experience, half the time you have instances where consultants have come in, did the diagnosis, which rationally and logically made a lot of good sense, but the execution, there's a, there's a huge, you know, disjuncture between the, 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 the documents which has been presented by consultant and the execution because the execution will be lacking. That's the biggest, that's it for me, that's a million dollar question because in, in most instances, uh, downward, you know, we neglect people, uh, by way of either onboarding them and giving them the kind of exposure and ownership of the very same document uh, which has been produced by consultant. Your take on that? Um, <clears throat> on the whole, I agree with you in, the, in terms of the turnaround method. But um, let's not forget that the current CEO um, of, of, of ESCOM, Pagamani, used to be national treasury. Um, and and therefore he has policy government experience and for many many years he was at the land bank the current land bank which has recently just paid off all of its debt was in the similar situation and he turned it around uh, many years ago the land bank so he he has experience the only uh, place you can fault him is he hasn't got power background but in terms of turnaround expertise he has and he has Entities such as the land bank that, and he was at ABSA for many years as well, and he assisted Maria in terms of um, the recent um, divestment from from Barclays Bank and so on and so forth. So he has the turnaround experience, the requisite at least at that level. Now the 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 issues at ESCOM are quite bigger, and and I wanted to just maybe probably when we close, just give you what I think in terms of some of the immediate actions that they need to to take, which um, I mean. Um, uh, uh, touches on, on, on the current problems. I think that, uh, as a board, you know, uh, uh, there are critical areas. For instance, if on the leadership is an issue, 
Okay, so they've, they've, if we can, uh, my, my argument is that let's not destabilize the current leadership. We can add to, in other words, areas that we have concern of in terms of uh, technical expertise, which is power expertise, that we can onboard them with the current board, you know. So let's not destabilize because we have destabilized too much. That's what my point is, to say, look, we cannot have so many changes in 10 years. That's a further destabilize. So we stabilize the leadership level uh, first, you know, and then empower them. Secondly, I think that if you look at the issues technically at ESCOM, if we were to audit, do a proper audit of the uh, power generating units, uh, because I believe that that was not done um, at some point. So that means that they are able to keep uh, uh, operating. Uh, that can determine what the operating capacity should be. You see, and that requires leadership to oversee that, meaning that because um, when we destabilize, uh, people at the divisional levels manage to to bypass the board or because they knew that there's destabilization at the top. Therefore, the reporting framework becomes a problem. So if we are to do the current audit, we do uh, things like the the ongoing build program, I think personally they need to review whether or not we continue with Medupi and Gusile as a build program because if you look at where many of their problems is, is the continuing debt derived from that. So Perhaps a thorough analysis of that to say, should we stop that or should we continue with that needs to be done. And and as personally also coming from the coal side, uh, my coal experience means that if you look at the quality of the coal at the moment, you cannot resolve this issue without looking at a, a mixture of the export coal. Because currently all high-level A-grade coal goes out. And and ESCOM survived before by mixing the higher grade coal with the the low grade coal because this is the poor quality of the coal that has brought us where we are in terms of the plants. So if perhaps we could ask government to look into the tax in- incentives in terms of uh, the coal miners that are exporting, so that they they they, they look at the contracts and try and bring some of the coal back into the country because they mine it here. It's just that contractually they have to take all of it back. So it's a myriad of issues that we need to look at that could assist ESCOM. But clearly I do agree leadership is critical to that. But for all of this to happen, you need a stabilized uh, leadership program. Uh, That's my argument. Look, I I agree with you, um, you know, uh, Ndaba, in that, um, you know, leadership stability accounts for pretty much the chunk of ordinary what a functional organization uh, ought to look like but here's another you know elephant in the room in the context of escom when you look at the 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 uh, you know bills that are owed by ESCOM by, by municipalities and mm. uh you know citizens you know i mean um, that accounts for quite substantial um, resources because it doesn't really matter you can reconfigure escom all do you like? Uh, you can have uh, stability the leadership all you like, unless you are able to, you know, uh, onboard and conscientize consumers, um, you know, to pay uh, for services which they are getting, and of which majority of them are quite adamant. Um, I was listening to a a one of the spokesperson for the Soviet 
crisis committee went on air, said, look, we're not going to pay a cent. You know, so so that is why ESCOM is forced to, you know, uh, that is why ESCOM's balance sheet is so weak because that kind of debt, you know, so which alone accounts for a substantial amount which is owed to ESCOM, and this is no fault of leadership; it's a fault of, you know, uh, of of citizens that are enjoying the benefit without paying. So so, this issue it doesn't really matter, you know. That is why I agree with you, Ilya, in that let's look at a different entry levels. Because every level has its own challenges. Mm. You have a challenges from the board, from the shareholder that has been inactive or that has been compromised in that, that it failed to execute its responsibility in relation to providing oversight and calling the board to, to account. And you almost had successive boards that had failed, you know, to provide oversight and, and to hold executive to account. And over and above that, the, the, the communities are like say, you know, we have had a compromised institution. Monies are going left and right. Why should we pay? Why should we pay for incompetence? Why should we pay for corruption? And so on and so forth. So these kinds of issues have created a, a, a monster, you know, by way of consumer having to pay. So it's going to take yet another, um, I don't know, it a different solution in terms of getting people um, to pay for what has been consumed. What's your take on it? Look, I don't have answers. It's a huge challenge. It's still, it's still a, 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 a leadership issue, albeit at a political level, because now it, the timing is bad in the sense that we are in election year. Uh, therefore, they, there's likely not to be a decision um, to, 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 to try and force the voters, which are literally voters now, the Soweto is the best. Let's just do the numbers quickly. Can you believe that in um, 2014 the, the the municipal total debt was 2.6 billion, right? And yet in 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 2018, March last year, that had grown to 13.6 billion rand, right? Now, it, uh, uh, that figure does not include Soweto. So Weto on its own is sitting on 12.1 billion rand as SEDs. Uh, okay. So meaning that in the total debt, so Weto has the majority of the debt. By the way, one thing that we always forget. Remember in 20, in 2003, the, the Soweto debt was written off. So this is new debt, which all the more uh, concerning. So, um, I think that at the end of the day, we we need political leadership uh, to 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 authorize ESCOM to begin to engage these municipalities in terms of act, uh, getting into repayment programs that will facilitate for municipalities to to be able to pay back. Now, if you really look at it, the unbundling. In the end, might also benefit municipalities. Do you know that? Because they are in the distribution side of the unbundling. Because once you unbundle, you could literally throw, uh, for instance, many of your best skills that are sitting at ESCOM at distribution level, you just throw them to municipalities. And then municipalities handle the distribution side of the ESCOM business. You understand? Because you, you best place for municipalities to disperse and disperse uh, uh, electricity at their level. Now, the best skills are sitting at ESCOM or rest. It's distribution, which they should be. Now, the, the, the collection is an issue. But look at many of the hard 
uh, and highest owing municipalities other than Soweto, 48% are sitting in the free state. And they literally have no funds themselves. So the repayment issue becomes a problem. So they, they look at their distribution from treasury. Now that goes into all their normal operational costs. So, but all the, all the main, I think the minister of finance, albeit unpopular, said the right thing to say, let's try and slowly, slowly reintroduce the culture of uh, paying for services. Uh, and in that, identify people who are dire. Those are the ones that must go into government's assistance programs. Because at the moment, if you're talking about Soweto, the Soweto in itself does not necessarily mean constitute all 100% poor people. Some of those people are able to pay for services. And yet, they, they benefit under this whole threat of we not paying. You know, so, 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 but that will have to be taken at a high, probably after election. I don't see it happening before election. As we wrap up, let's take a break. Uh, I want us to quickly look back and, and reflect on, on where to from now, you know, um, based yeah. on all the issues that you've spoken about. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It's amazing how time flies when you are having fun. Uh, talk of fun, I'm joined by, by, by Justice Ndaman Studio and we were deliberating on a very complex issue around ESCOM, uh, New Look and Feel and, and what are some of the accompanying challenges, uh, which ultimately affect its balance sheet. Um, you know, moving forward, you know, it's such a very complex, uh, and dynamic, uh, institution giving its, giving its, its essence around energy because energy is a, fundamental human rights issue and it's so difficult for you know the boards uh, of ESCOM because they've got a specific mandate they can only operate within that particular mandate until or unless there is more of a political will or a political some kind of a political arrangement you know to try and address the biggest debt which is owned by municipalities as well as 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 you know townships and we all we all know that um you know in the context of unemployment um, it is very difficult to, to, to recoup any funds because sim- there's simply no money. But communities are not necessarily all homogeneous. There are instances, mm. there are pockets of excellence or there are po- pockets that are capable of paying for services. And it is a question of how do we reach out to those that are able to pay so that we're able to address. Because we contend that it doesn't really matter. You can reshape, re, reorganize, re, change, remodel ESCOM for as long as the fundamental challenges remain intact. It's not gonna, it's gonna, it's not gonna change. Yeah, look, <laughs> I agree with you. Maybe just to finish the previous point, Eguruleni had a similar problem like Soweto, right? Eguruleni at the moment, 98% of people are paying. Similar issues. Political will. That's the leadership issue. But uh, maybe coming back to where to from here, I think that there are immediate things that must be done. One, I think in the uh, the power generating units, there are 130 of them. They need to be audited, and there needs to be thorough maintenance done on that. They, there's, they, I, I suggested that the build program, uh, we need to look at the power stations and see. I mean, some of the units that must still be built, maybe we need to hold it in abeyance, build them in the future. Diesel. 
why at the moment with the the, the diesel uh, escom is not buying directly from engine chevron and all of these they are buying on third through third parties there's so much that is involved in terms of cost model there they need to re- revisit uh, because they pay almost 2 billion rand every uh, other day on diesel alone in, in, in so wouldn't you revisit the cost structure of that and many of it is to the uh, middle people middle men that is Absolutely, you know, just as, in as much as I want to have this conversation going on and on, for certainly I, I, I value your inputs. Unfortunately, we're going to leave it there. Um, thank you very much for joining and thank I'm you. sure everyone has uh, thoroughly enjoyed your insight. Uh, as we wrap up, I hope tonight's conversation have evoked or conscientized everyone to assume their civic duty to hold leadership to account. On that note, it has been an absolute pleasure. Until we meet again, have a good one.